0: Our scripture for this morning is from Luke 15, verses 1 through 7. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. who do not need to repent. This is the word of the Lord for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Thank you, Russ, and thank you, Earl, for sharing your gifts of music. You've been at United Church this summer, you know that I've been preaching a series on Jesus' parables in the New Testament, and we turn to uh, yet another parable today: the parable of the lost sheep in Luke 15. Let us pray. Wise and loving God, may the words of my mind and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you. ...today and always. Amen. I thought I would begin this morning with a confession. Telemarketers test my ministerial patience. (laughs) About three years ago now, I remember receiving a phone call from a telemarketer... ...who was attempting to sell dental insurance to my then five-month-old daughter, Marie. And this telemarketer was absolutely dead set that I had to have this particular kind of coverage. And he went on and on and on. And I tried to interrupt him, uh, but he would not stop preaching to me why he needed to sell me this dental coverage. And so with my ministerial holiness uh, tested... I finally was able to break through and say, stop, stop right there. My five-month-old daughter does not yet have teeth. Silence on the other end of the phone. Well, I guess you have brought up a good point. And I started talking to him. I said, where are you located? And he said, in Northeast Asia. And I thought to myself how annoying that is. To have someone call me who doesn't know the specific details of my life. That doesn't know my family or the specific details of the challenges that I face. And I thought about that phone call. And my sense is that the reason why telemarketers call from a place far all the way up over the world is because that is the most efficient way to do business. We live in a society and in a culture that is enamored with efficiency. Business, you have telemarketers stationed elsewhere in a cubicle because that's the easiest way to get business done at a low cost. Sports, we want as many fans to buy tickets to the game as possible, all the while keeping an eye on payroll. Entertainment, we want as many people to come to the show as we possibly can get them to come to the show, but we have to look at the costs that are involved. Politics, we want to get as many votes as we possibly can, all the while paying attention to how much money is in our budget. Religion, we want to get as many people into the building as we possibly can, all the while being sure we are good stewards of what it is that has been given to us. We live in a culture and in a society that is enamored with that which is efficient. And so as we walk back into the parable of the lost sheep today, we're all surprised by the inefficient love of God. You remember the parable? Walk back into it with me. Once upon a time, Jesus said to the Pharisees and to the crowds who had gathered around him, said, I want you to imagine that there was a shepherd who had 100 sheep but one of those sheep got lost and ran out. Now, which one of you would not go running off after that sheep? And after you go and you find that sheep, you will put that sheep on your shoulders and bring it back. And then you will be so excited that you will call up your friends and have a party and you will rejoice. Such is the same, said Jesus, when it comes to God in the kingdom of heaven. For there may be 99 who are righteous, but there is rejoicing in heaven over that one sinner who repents. Our culture is enamored with efficiency. But part of what I sense and see here in this parable is that God's inefficient love will run down that one sheep. So let me put the question to you that Jesus put to the crowds If you had 100 sheep, would you run after that one? If there were 100 sheep in your flock and one ran off, would you spend the time and energy running after that one? If you were leading an organization and 99 people were doing the right thing but one person was not, would you spend your time and energy training and helping that one person to get better? If you were trying to drum up votes in Iowa and New Hampshire, and there were 99 people who generally were part of your party and might vote for you, would you spend time running down that one person who probably wouldn't vote for you, who had turned his back on you and gone astray? Of course you wouldn't, because if you did that, you would be labeled as inefficient. It wouldn't make sense, and it wouldn't be fair. But as Christian author Philip Yancey put it many years ago, if it makes sense and is fair, then it is certainly not the grace of God. Friends, hear the good news of the parable of the lost sheep once more. God, in all of God's inefficiency, chases down each one of us, seeking to know us and to be acquainted with our nuanced and personal concerns. Now, I don't know about you, but from time to time, I need to be reminded of that. For often, when I pray to God or conceptualize God or have an image of God in my mind, I am tempted to make believe that God is this ethereal being somewhere out there who doesn't know specifically what's going on in my life. And so I make believe that God is this distant, ethereal phenomenon, perhaps in a cubicle out in Northeast Asia. And part of what I forget is that God is nothing like that. The God we hear about in this text is not impersonal, but rather very personal. So much so that one sheep is worth chasing after and the other 99 are left behind. How inefficient and yet how beautiful. For when I consider this text, I ask myself the question what kind of God would want to know how many hair on top of my head? The same kind of God who will chase after that one sheep. A God who wants to know me, who wants to love me, who cares very much about the details of my personal life. That is the inefficient love and grace of God that comes at us in this text. Many years ago, there was a wonderful Christian author by the name of Henry Nowen, and he said that our deepest longings as human beings are the longings to be known. In other words, there is a deep hunger amongst each one of us to be known. And you watch this play out on television Uh, many different times of year, but especially recently. I was reading an interesting article the other day about political scientists and strategies amongst candidates uh, in the presidential debates. Not only amongst the Democrats in the primary, but also amongst Republicans as well. And one of the key strategies that politicians will use is something called personal narrative strategy, according to the political scientists. And so the debate moderator will ask a question like, tell me your health care plan. But instead of sharing a health care plan, the candidate will just stop and say, well, that reminds me of my mother-in-law's sister who was dealing with this obscure form of cancer. And why do candidates do that? Because the political scientists have proven that it is true. These personal narratives help the politician get into the living room of the person who is listening because there is a deep desire and hunger to not just be known, but to have your situation known personally. And part of what the parable of this uh, lost sheep sounds like to me is one of these personalization narratives on behalf of Jesus, not to drum up votes, but to convey just what God's grace and love is like. That it is a grace and love that will go and seek after you and seek to know you, not just in any old way, but very personally and very, very intimately. It is just so inefficient and yet so beautiful. Pastor and teacher Fred Craddock was writing in a book uh, some years ago about the ways in which we are so tempted to come to God and to say that statement God, you must not be able to get me in this moment. And we all have problems and concerns and challenges in our lives that are deeply personal. And we say, well, no one gets this. A health challenge, no one gets this. Caring for someone I love, no one gets this. A grief, worry, anxiety, no one gets my specific situation. But Craddock says in his writing that indeed there is one person who does get it. And that person is God. And to explain how untrue it is of God that God can't get us personally, uh, Craddock tells a very short but concise and telling story uh, to explain it. It's a story about a father and a son who were playing basketball in their front driveway. Son was about six years old and dad was uh, older and very tall. Dad was 6'4". Well, son was hoisting basketballs up toward the basketball hoop, and he didn't make any baskets. Uh, But dad would just take the basketball at 6'4 and throw it up in the hoop, and he would make it every time and say, son, do it like this, do it like this. And finally, son got frustrated and said, dad, you have no idea what it's like from down here. And Craddock says it is because of parables like the parable of the lost sheep. That does not permit us to ever say that about God. God does know what it's like from down here. So much so that God cares about the details of our life, chasing after that sheep, having each one of the hair on our head accounted for. It's a love that's enormously inefficient, but so beautiful. Or let me illustrate it another way. There's a modern-day parable about the love and grace of God that is inefficient, that searches uh, after those who are struggling with uh, unique and nuanced situations. It's a parable about a young mother who was struggling a little bit with her marriage and in raising three young children, and so she went to see a therapist one day, and she had actually a couple sessions with this therapist, but the therapist really wasn't getting anywhere in his counseling sessions with her, and so On her third visit to the therapist's office, the therapist said, well, I've got to kind of bring this one to a head and get this young woman to open up to me. And so he asked a very hard and challenging question to her right at the beginning of the session. He asked, which one of your three children do you love the most? And the young woman said, oh, well, I I love all three of them the same, of course. But the therapist pressed her on it and said, which one of your three children do you love the most? And the young mother responded with the efficient, expected answer. Well, of course, I love all three of my children the same. But the therapist pressed even further. No, I want you to level with me right now or these sessions are over. Which one of your three children do you love the most? At which point mom started to cry and she said, Okay, okay, when one of my children is hurting, I love that child the most. When one of my children is sick, I love that child the most. When one of my children gets in trouble in school and is bad, and not just naughty, but I mean really bad, I love that child the most. But except for those exceptions, I love all my children equally. What is the love and grace of God like in the parable of the lost sheep? It is radically inefficient in that way. We have troubles and concerns in our lives that are personal and nuanced, but it is in those moments, those precise moments, when the 99 other people around us could not ever imagine what it is that we are going through, could not ever get it, that God says, I love you right now, so much so that I'm going to drop everything, run after you in your personal situation, put you on my shoulders, and bring you back home. It's a love that is so inefficient and yet so beautiful. I'll close with a story that Christian author Max Lucado tells. It's a modern-day story that he likens to the parable of the lost sheep. It's a story of a mother in Brazil, and her name was Maria, and she was raising her young daughter, Cristina, And a young mother was a single mother and money was tight and they lived in a a small rural town that was a few hours away by bus from Rio de Janeiro. And Christina, whenever she didn't do what mom said or acted up would from time to time uh, as a teenager, threatened that one night she was going to get out of bed and run away and go to the city. Well, Maria said to her daughter, Christina, don't ever do that because you will not know how to make it in the city. You go to the city and your life will be so hard and so crazy. You will regret that decision. Well, at night after dinner, mom and daughter got into a little bit of a feud. And sure enough, after daughter went to sleep, she decided that she was off to the big city, Rio de Janeiro. And left that night, got on the bus, and went to the big city. Mom went to go find her the next day, and she wasn't in bed. And mom was absolutely beside herself. And it wasn't the most efficient thing to do, but she said, I'm going to empty the little money I have in the bank, and I'm going to go find daughter. So mom stopped by a drugstore and had numerous different pictures taken of her in a photo booth, black and white pictures. And she wrote a little note on the back of those pictures and then boarded a bus to Rio de Janeiro. She stayed there for a few days, uh, spending all of her money to try and find her daughter. And she knew her daughter had probably gotten to some bad stuff. So she went about Rio de Janeiro with a picture of herself, mom did, and put it in all places where daughter might be, you know, and in the bathroom of nightclubs and hotel lobbies and on streets and uh, at certain uh, junctions and intersections and posted her picture everywhere, but it didn't work and mom ran out of money and she cried all the way back home to rural town. Well, sure enough, a couple of weeks later, uh, Christina had indeed gotten into some bad stuff. And she found herself descending the staircase of a hotel lobby. And her brown eyes no longer communicated joy, but hurt and pain. And she said to herself, no one could ever imagine what it is that I've gotten myself into. And she felt like she was so one so lonely in that moment that she couldn't even make her way back home. But then she looked down and in the corner of a framed mirror in the hotel lobby, there was a black and white picture of her mother. And she picked up the picture and she looked at it and she turned it over and it said, Christina, if this is you, I want you to know that no matter what you have done, I love you, and I forgive you. Come home. And Christina did. What kind of God, you ask, would care about how many hair are on top of our head? What kind of God would go running after one sheep, leaving 99 behind? It's the kind of God whose grace and love is just so special That it will move across pastures to find that sheep. It will board a bus to discover a lost child. No matter how one, no matter how lonely, no matter how distant, no matter how many times we cry out, no one could ever get this. It is the God who chases after that one sheep. Who always gets it. Now that is not very efficient, but it is oh so beautiful.